0: Welcome to Marketing Unfiltered, where I ditch the highlight reel and share the unfiltered truth about how to get clients online. The good, the bad, and the OMG, thank God I'm not the only one. I'm Sophia Para. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Marketing Unfiltered. Today on the show, we have Jacqueline Malone. Okay, before I get into this introduction, I've got to be honest about something. Um, I didn't realize that I had completely forgotten to record this intro for my amazing producer, Kim. So it's like a casual 3 a.m. in the morning in London and... Uh, just trying to get it done because I won't be home tomorrow morning. So she needs this ASAP. So if I'm a little groggy, that's why, but I could not let this episode go out without an intro because Jacqueline is pure bubbly energy. So I just had to do her justice and show up for her. Jacqueline has been a podcaster since before podcasting was cool. And I am so excited to share her. Because she has truly been around the block. So, in this episode, we talk about why focusing on podcasts can make such a massive difference. We also answer the question Do you need to have a podcast to take advantage of this medium? What, actually, hint, hint, guys, no, you do not. And so, we talk a lot about that. So, if you're listening to this and you're like, I already know I don't have a podcast, I don't know if this is for me. You do not need to have a podcast to listen to this episode. Um, Jacqueline's very clear about that. Um, the third thing we talk about is what are the different ways you can leverage the podcasting platform to generate revenue? I really liked this part of the conversation because I had never even thought about some of the things she had mentioned. And number four, how can we build relationships with people to get on podcasts? We also play a buy around game where we learn her favorite ways to grow her email list and all sorts of fun behind the scenes things. Jacqueline's also a natural storyteller and has such a bubbly energy. So I'm sure you're going to love listening to her chat about her life and business as much as I did. So truly I'm super excited to introduce you to Jacqueline. Jacqueline Malone hosts my go-to podcast called Go-To Gal. If you don't know her from her years in podcasting and awesome online content, you might know her from her adorable headbands and signature bangs. (laughs) Fun fact, I actually ordered fake bangs on Amazon yesterday just to see if I could replicate her look. I met Jacqueline at an online mastermind and fell instantly in love with her bubbly energy and then stalked her on the internet, as you do, and learned she also got in trouble for talking too much as a kid. That must explain how we were able to chat for an hour about royal family scandals the first time we ever spoke. If we weren't a match made in heaven already, she's also an incredible strategist whose mission is to help you be the go-to person in your industry, ladies and gents, and humans. Put your hands together for my go-to strategist, podcaster, and real talk New Yorker, Jacqueline Malone. Woohoo!
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, what an intro! I love it, and oh, I am just disappointed that you don't have the bangs on. I'm like, oh, if, they, if only they were here. I want to see this. So you're gonna have to send me a oh, picture when
0: you. Oh my have god. Them. That's exactly what I should have done, like done this interview with the bangs. (laughs) With the bangs, yes.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much
0: for being here. This is like such a joy because the last time we chatted on your podcast, it was just so much fun. So I'm so glad we get to do this again. Oh, me too. Me too. Now, the last time we talked, you were at the beginning of a really exciting journey. Like you were getting ready to be a matchmaker for podcasters how has that been going?
1: Well, it has been going splendid. It's been really exciting. Of course, the roller coaster of fast growth, which is a a good problem to have, but can also be a little bit stressful at times. But I will say just to put things in context, I started my online business a little over seven years ago. Started my first podcast over seven years ago, which is crazy. I'm basically like a grandma in the podcast space, I feel like (laughs) at this point. And so a lot has changed over the last seven years, both in the business and the podcasting world and and all of that. But a lot changed in the world with the pandemic. And I just had, had had some time to really pull back and refocus and really get to the root of what do I want? to do because there was a point in the pandemic where I was really burnt out and unhappy. And I wasn't sure why because on paper, everything was going really well. And I realized that it was time to completely re-envision what my business could look like and being not just in the podcasting world as a podcaster, but also teaching podcasting. I do. I still have a course with Farnoosh Tarabi, Pays to Podcast uh, for new podcasters. We had done a mastermind for podcasters. I have a course on, a mini course on podcast guesting. So just very entrenched in the podcasting industry and had seen this opportunity for podcasters that are not huge, that are not the biggest names to get sponsorships. And and I'm seeing a shift in the industry now too, where there's more opportunity for smaller shows to easily get sponsors through different platforms. However, if you've ever done that and you're like, geez, is it even worth it for this amount it's probably not because of the mm. way those people do it it's just it's it's so limited it's not really leveraging the value that you bring. And what I have seen as myself as a podcaster and in the industry is okay, how do we connect podcasters of all sizes with sponsors not just to place ads but to create, partnerships and that's where i mm-hmm. think being being a matchmaker of these partnerships where we're not just talking about you know, putting a commercial on a show, but really a multi-platform campaign on the podcast, email, social website, host read ads, sometimes integrated content. But how do we really collaborate? And, and that's where that's something that's always been. That's how my brain works, is like, okay, how do we put the people together? Where are the opportunities? And being able to be at the center of that and creating opportunities for podcasters to to really leverage the platform mm-hmm. they built and make money. And also with the sponsors to be able to get them in front of the exact audiences they're looking to to grow with. So, it's been yeah, we could talk about the, the behind the scenes of this. So, that was like okay, here's the real talk. It is freaking scary to have a successful – yes, if you're starting out, it's scary, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also – it's like you kind of have that like nothing to lose. Once you have a business, especially a successful business, to then make a change is terrifying. You have a team and you're used to paying yourself and your team and you're like, okay, how do I make this change and still be able to pay myself? And And hold on to my team and potentially even pay my team more because we now need more hours is very scary to make that shift and all of the the steps involved. And, you know, some of it, of course, like I knew from the get go with this, like, okay, legal is really important. And I started mm-hmm. with legal, which was so not how I did things the first time around, right? And oh, just I like threw up that. an Instagram yeah. account. <laughs> so, but with, with the, the type of business, it, is, it was really important that we had the contracts and I wanted a new LLC for it and, and all of that to be really buttoned up. But yeah, just super scary being like, okay, like I know I've had success with this one thing. And even mm-hmm. though you could say, oh, well, it's like you've been in the podcasting world and this is like another offer for the podcasting world. So absolutely my experience and connections and relationships and credibility in the industry has is what has made this be a really you know, much easier, faster transition than it would have been if I didn't have those things. But it's still something totally new. It's still a whole new business, a whole way of operating, and all new everything, all new everything yeah. on the inside. And so it's definitely been a roller coaster trying to figure that out and put those pieces together. Yeah, very quickly.
0: Oh my gosh. That's so true. Because, like, as you know, I also recently made a huge shift where I shut down a successful agency and had to basically hope to God, that I could figure out this new way of doing business that I thought would make me happier, right? So I love that you also had that realization like, oh, I'm just not feeling that that lightness, that excitement, or I I don't know, I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit right now, but it just sounded like it wasn't giving you the joy that it once was. And so you knew you needed to make a shift and you need to figure out what that shift was. And I think that goes so well into like how we typically open these episodes where we like spell the T on the business and just like Really normalize the roller coaster that is building a business because it really doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an expert or have been in this, as as you said, as or if you're a grandma in business, an online business. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I actually just had uh, Kate Northrop on, and she just called uh, herself um, a geriatric business owner. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. But I love how you also are like, yeah, grandma, business owner. Grandma podcaster here. Yes. oh, I do have a lot of grandma like qualities. Me too. it It does seem fitting. It does seem fitting.
0: But I would love to like, you know, spill a tea on some behind the scenes for people so people can really see, no, like this is something that we're all, you know, going through every single day. So first question, like if you were to go back in time, right, to day one of your business, what is something that you would tell yourself to do differently or to, to do instead of something? Or like what would be the advice that you give yourself if you were just getting started based off of learning the hard way?
1: Ooh. So going back in time, it's interesting because so many of even the things that I thought were mistakes. Mm-hmm. I ended up changing my mind about later. So sometimes getting distance, I will say, if you, the first, I started my podcast before I had a business, before I had made a sale and I had a co-host and, you know, looking now, I, we, we did that podcast for three years. was very successful, but it, we, we both started as baby business owners and, yeah. and it grew Having it got to the point where our personal brands had grown where it was harder to have something together, right? Mm-hmm. So I could say, Oh, sure. Now having GoToGal, having my own podcast and the alignment that that has for my whole business is really powerful. So I could say, sure, maybe having that from the beginning, but I wouldn't have started it without Jessica. And I wouldn't have had that relationship without the co-host. And And the experience of us growing it together was what got me going in it and helped me to figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't have that clear path. And so while later on in business, it... Like absolutely, it makes a lot of sense for for me to have my own podcast under my own brand in the beginning i you know i'm I'm so happy that that journey went the way it went, and at the Love time, that. people would say, and I still will say, if you need to pay your bills next month, the fastest way to to make money is not to start a podcast <laughs> like that's not like that's not gonna be their <laughs> fastest path to to revenue. I like to be very transparent about that, but a lot of people early on would say to me, you know you've had success in a different way like don't recommend that to other people and i really took that to heart and was like oh okay like i have this responsibility to tell people like you know what wait till you have success in your business first before you start a podcast and as i zoomed out once i got out of those first couple of years where i was saying that to people and could started connecting the dots I'm like no <laughs> not at all i i think Absolutely. If you can, if you have, you know, there's time and money associated with podcasting. Yeah. But all of the relationships and opportunities and everything that came out of the being able to start messy and find my voice in that period of time without having a bigger audience and like all of that, there was so much benefit to yep. starting too soon, if you will, that. I I changed my mind on that too. I'm like, nope, nope. I'm so glad I did it that way and all the opportunities that it brought. So, I would say, you know, you want to like, okay, what would I do differently? <laughs> I you know what? I probably would have I was afraid to be a personal brand in the beginning. I probably would have really owned my own expertise sooner which oh. sounds so obvious now with my brand being go-to gal but in the beginning i was afraid to do that i didn't even have Jacqueline Malone.com yet oh. and i didn't have it was there was no personal brand i was building a business and i was like trying not to be front and center <laughs> Wow, which is so funny to look back at, and I actually have a background in personal branding too. But oh I was like, Ooh, I don't want it to be about me as much. And I like, I would join Facebook groups, and I would literally at the time when you joined a Facebook group, it would tell all of your Facebook friends that you joined. <laughs> that group. And so I was joining I groups that. about business ownership and I would immediately go into the privacy settings and delete it from my timeline. Cause I'm like, I don't want anyone to see that I'm even doing it. Like I was like, like, you would think I was in the witness protection program. Like I was trying to be undercover <laughs> about all of this. Oh, and eventually I ended up building a personal brand by accident and And that is when I, I really saw the power of it and came around to the idea. And now that's at the core of, of everything mm-hmm. I do. But doing that sooner would yeah. have absolutely, yes, been more helpful. Oh,
0: I love that. I love that. That kind so that actually so nicely like leads to my next question, which is, you know, I feel like when I tell people, I, okay, Let me back story. I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of like group calls. I do a lot of leading conversations, leading presentations and things like that. People are always so surprised because I feel I present myself as quite confident that literally I'm having a full blown panic attack, like one minute before I hit like enter. (laughs) Like I'm just like why do i do this? I'm not good at what I do. Like I'm just like spiraling and then I hit go and I'm like hello. It's So nice to see everyone. Like I like people are always so surprised. So is there anything like that for you? Like the, that people be really surprised actually brings you a lot of anxiety or causes any self-doubt
1: in your business? So I have all the anxiety and <laughs> imposter syndrome and I talk a lot about mindset, and and people are like, "Oh wow! Like, how do you know all this stuff?" Like, because I have struggled with all of it, and and I dove into very early on in my business. My background is in marketing; it's not in mindset. And I remember vividly when I started my business, I hired a coach and she was for, she was, she branded herself as a life and business coach. And I, 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 this was my mindset at the time. So I think it's important to say when I hired her, I was even like, Oh, like, I know you're like life and business, but I don't really need the life stuff. Like we're just going to focus on the business side of things. Like I was like, "Mm," like this is, we're just all business here. Right. And, Within months. So, when I started that first podcast in the fall of 2015, that same week that the podcast launched, I launched my first paid offer and, surprise, found out I was pregnant with baby number two. <gasps> oh so my gosh. I had a toddler and a fledgling business and podcast. And I am the type of person that has been blessed with waking up happy my whole life. And I truly know that that's a blessing, and it's just like in my DNA. My whole life, I've just been able to wake up happy, and something about I think have like I was I didn't know at the time, but I like knew I'm like this has to be a boy. <laughs> I was pregnant with my son, and I think just like the hormones or something of it being a boy, I don't know, but I was miserable. <laughs> First few months. And I was like, it was a surprise pregnancy, but I was very happy to be pregnant. So it wasn't that. It just like, I literally, it was a hormone imbalance Mm -hmm. of those first couple of months where I was just so miserable. And I'm like, what is this? Like, who am I? It was like, I was physically sick, but I was just like mentally and like, not a good place, and yeah. I was so grateful that I had hired this life and business coach that could support me on the on the life and the mindset side of things because oh I so desperately needed it then, but doing something new, I was always so confident in my careers before I started my business, and I remember telling her like almost being embarrassed of the insecurities that I was having then. Like I'm like I'm normally such a confident person. (laughs) I'm like I'm like this isn't like me, but it was starting something new. Now here's the interesting thing, because this is not just a beginner thing. Like I'm giving a story from the beginning, but this is something that I have gone through. Like what I when I look back now, when at that time where I was quote unquote such a confident person,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I was coasting. I was so confident because I wasn't stretching myself. I oh my was gosh. like legs up comfy in the comfort zone, okay? And what I've realized in my business is that when I get to those pl- that place of like, oh, I'm, I'm always so confident. I'm always so whatever. It's usually I've actually trained my brain to realize this now. Like that's a bad sign. Yeah. That means I'm not stretching myself. If I can just sit back and coast for an extended period of time without having any of that imposter syndrome, self-doubt, nerves come up, for me, that means I'm not stretching myself. And in order to continue growing, I mm-hmm. mean, the like everyone's always like, oh, like, you know, are you stuck or you're feeling stuck or whatnot? The opposite of growing is not being stuck. I mean, it's – Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in the plant world, the opposite of growth is death, right? But it's not – there's we'll say shrinking. It's shrinking. And so yeah. it's <laughs> – the opposite of growing is not standing still. It's shrinking. There's never a stagnant point. And so when I find myself in those comfy places to be able to reframe that and be like, this is me shrinking. This isn't me in growth mode. Now, if I'm too far outside of my comfort zone, then nothing mm-hmm. gets done. Then it's like complete right. paralysis of, you know, not being able – Stretching yourself too much. That's not sustainable either. But that like mm-hmm. little bit of like, ooh, like anxiety nerves, like, I don't know if I could do this. I what are they gonna think of me? All of that, like is so healthy for the growth. It's just yeah. acknowledging that that is that that's part of the process. Oh, that is so good. I absolutely love that
0: reframe. So powerful. Okay, I'm like mic dropping.
1: <laughs> where do we go? Where do we go for I here? know, where do we go? <laughs>
0: well, our, our last hmm. spill the tea question, and I'm curious about your response because you kind of talked about it at the beginning, but I'm okay. curious um, is if you were to start all over again, right? Like new business, but you you know everything you know today, but you don't have an audience, you don't have a podcast, you don't have any of the things, but you know everything you know today. I think I probably know the answer to this, but what would be your wh- – what would you do to to start making – getting clients and making life-changing money? What would be the first move you make to just set yourself up to be that business?
1: Okay. Well, there's probably something you do know that I'm going to say, but I'm going to say something else that you might not know that I'm going to say. Good, I love and it. And that is – so there is an assessment called mm-hmm. Wealth Dynamics. So it is $97.00. Maybe you can find a code for it. I don't have an affiliate link. I just am obsessed with it. And this is the assessment where I am obsessed with all personality tests. I feel like that's a qualifier, I need to say. But with this one, it's it really taps into what's your zone of genius for how you can create the most wealth. Because you mm-hmm. can look around their the square of all the different you know results on there and say, well, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I could do this. I do this well, right? And you might but it helps you pinpoint that area of where are you really in your zone? Mm -hmm. And when you can create a business around that zone of genius, which sometimes we take for granted (laughs) and may not see other people, other mentors, other leaders in the space that have those same qualities or zone of genius as us. And so it's really easy to model our business off the success of what we see and not off of leveraging our own strengths. And that is the assessment that really helped me get clear and start thinking and stretching myself to be like, how could I, what would a business look like based around my strengths? Because Mm -hmm. my business, my result was very different than what you would expect. Well, maybe not, (laughs) but... but. (laughs) Maybe if you know me, maybe it would be exactly what you would expect. But I will say it's probably there's I don't I could not think of any entrepreneurs in our space that had mm-hmm. the result that I had. So my result was I'm a supporter, which is a very misleading name. But it says in the result, supporters are usually not entrepreneurs, and I'm like, whoa, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and it, I'm like, what? And and so. In my case, it says supporters make the best CEOs. They are—it's all people energy, and they—they—they they ex, they excel in a leadership position. Not—I'm like—I tease my team, I'm like not like micromanage, and not like the middle manager, like it's. A, but in terms of leadership, of enrolling people in their vision and, and inspiring and influencing in that way, um, Bob Iger with Disney is a supporter, and and also partnerships. And so actually Bob has been someone who I've looked like at some of his content because. His, I mean, Disney, I could go on a whole thing about it, but they did the deal with Disney Plus and Verizon for Disney Plus to be part of all Verizon packages when it first came out. They did that on like a napkin at like a restaurant. They ran into each other, the two CEOs, and like just pulled it together. And I'm like, that's something I would do. Like not at that, I'm not at that level, but like, oh, like I ran into someone, let's do this, let's pull this. I'm like, and it'd be done.
0: And
1: yeah. when I heard that story it really helped me understand, like, okay, this is this is a strength that I have taken for granted that I've always mm. had as part of my business, and I've always used that as leverage to grow my business. But I've been modeling my business off of other people in this industry, and I that's something that is a pattern that's happened throughout my business. Is like, oh, like this is a good business model, and then I do it. And I'm like, oh, I'm burned out. I hate it, and I kept doing that, and I didn't know why. And this helped me realize why. So I really stretched myself to say, okay, what would it look like to really build a business around my strengths so I could show up and leverage that and then hire out for the rest? And so that is what I would recommend everyone doing wherever you are in business is really, okay, how do you really hone in on that piece of Mm -hmm. what are you really... because? when like create, like for instance, creating content is something that's really hard for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a perfectionist. I overthink it. I have ADHD, like sitting down and trying to like get my brain to be quiet enough to like think and write something. is <laughs> like yeah. creating courses, forget it, trying to like put stuff together that's linear. I poured so much of myself into my courses and we have had such great success with our students but I've burned out after creating them, and so like for yeah. me to keep having business models that take sure you can say, oh, you've had six figure launches for your course, you've had you know your students are having success. But like when you look at the day to day, and it's like I don't want to be creating all this content. I'm burnt out. Like if I have to keep creating new courses, I don't want to respond to Facebook comments, and um, things like that. It's like okay, I didn't. I didn't think about that. It's like, okay, well, if I build this business, this is my day-to-day job, right? So when you start with that end in mind of what do I actually want to be doing every day? What am I the best at doing every day? Because when you hone in on that, that's when you have that superpower of wealth dynamics to be like, I can create the most wealth if I focus on this area because I have more energetic capacity, yeah. For that, I don't get burned out as easily in that space. And I can make a bigger impact in that lane than other people. So when you channel your energy in that way, that's when you compound your results. And I do attribute so much of the fast success that we've had with our agency, GoToGalMedia, Media, to the fact that I've really put myself in that lane. Mm,
0: I love that. And it's interesting because the you said that like a supporter is really good at partnerships. Do you mean also like collaborations and all that and like those relationships, that relationship building?
1: Oh, it's all relationships. It's all all relationships. It's all relationships. And so when I first took the assessment, you know, I was given advice like, oh, like this is why you're such a great coach. But that felt so limiting to me because I'm like, well, okay, I love, I love coaching and I still have private clients, but I'm like the work to get the coaching clients, my shortest client like the client that I've worked with the least amount of time right now is three years my longest is seven she joined that first membership and we've been working together in different capacities since and so (sighs) I, I go deep and that's the other thing with the supporters is it's you go deep with relationships you don't just have contacts you have deep like I don't just have like Varnish and I have a course together. Jessica and I had yeah. a podcast together in the beginning. I And so I have clients for years and years. And so that setting up a business that allows us to have long-term clients, yeah. like an agency where we can grow with them and not just constantly looking for new course students, right, mm. is, is going to be more supportive of that as well.
0: Mm, love that. And it's actually like – podcasting, right? Like, for, so, 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 you know, there's like an experiment going on behind this podcast behind the scenes, which I only just shared publicly like Ooh. earlier today <laughs> and so that I ask everyone those, all, all the same questions, right? And everyone, the last one, where where do you get your clients? What would you do to like set yourself up to get clients? Everyone's response has something it's everyone answers differently, but it has something to do with relationships. I rooted in connections and like having those relationships and,
1: Oh, I didn't hear you. Are you muted? <laughs> oh, I'm muted. I'm like, "Oh shoot, I didn't really answer your question." But yes, I would totally I would totally go use my relationships to get clients. Well, that's what I've done with the agency, too. I feel yeah, like was no. probably there, but yes hundred uh. percent
0: there, and it's so amazing that that people are finding the importance in relationships. Like no matter how they're finding it, like that importance is there. So it's just such a great, it's such a cool way to answer that actually. Because I was like, "Where is this going?" And then I was like, "Oh my god, it's amazing! It's back to relationship. It's just honestly so crazy that that happened." So I love that. But also podcasting, such a huge part of that. Like this year, I, I started a podcast, as you know. And a huge part of the relationships I built this year, which was a huge part of the growth of my business this year, was because of the podcast. Being on their podcast or them being on my podcast. So podcasting has turned into a very important part of our overall strategy. And so I I might have just answered that question, but I'm just curious how you would answer, like why is focusing on the podcasting platform, why can that make such a big difference
1: for business owners? Yes. Well, I think when we talk about... Having a podcast. And also, I just want to, we'll come back to this, but there's so much power in the podcasting platform because of the relationship between the host and the audience. It's Mm. very different than other forms of content because. People multitask while they're listening to a podcast. No one is is sitting on their couch and just looking at the wall and listening to this podcast right now, right? Oh, my God. That's so no, true. I didn't even think no about that. No one is sitting at their desk with their with their hands just like playing well, playing yes. with petty like I do and listening to a podcast. You are always doing something else, right? Yeah. So I listen to podcasts while I put on makeup, while I do dishes, while I walk the dog, while I'm in the car. Holding laundry, right? And so, because of that, there, one, there's an intimacy with like we're taking the host with us and all these different areas of our life. Oftentimes, with our favorite shows, we even have a, we have a, pattern or routine of when and how we listen to them. Like, oh, every week when I do pickup, this show is released and that's when I listen to it. Or on my weekly walk on Fridays, I listen to this show that comes out on Thursdays, right? And so we attach habits to it and we have a deeper connection with the host, not just because we're multitasking while we're listening, but because we're giving them more time. You -hmm. think, you know, how much – our attention span is for a video. And and then think about listening to an hour-long podcast, that relationship that's built is so much deeper. So there's a wow. lot of potential to tap into that, whether you have your own podcast or whether you're a guest on another podcast or whether you are a sponsor advertising on podcasts. So you don't have to have your own podcast to tap into that, but there is something just extraordinarily special, I believe, about the podcasting platform itself. Now, in terms of having a podcast, though, I like to think of it in two ways. So most people think, oh, we'll start a podcast to grow an audience. And certainly having a podcast can help you grow an audience, right? Is it the best way to grow an audience? You're going to be surprised, but I'm going to say no. If you're like, I need to grow an audience the fastest or the biggest – It's probably not going to be the thing on its own that will be that discovery tool for you. You don't Mm -hmm. have the benefit of search like you do on something like YouTube. It's not... The discoverability with podcasts is not as big as there are with some other opportunities. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't grow your audience through podcasting, but I wouldn't look at it as like, this is the fastest way for you to do this or the best way for you to do that piece of it. Yeah. That said, in terms of nurturing an audience... I don't think there's anything better um, yeah. because of that intimacy. Now, everything I'm talking about right now is on the audience side. And there's tremendous benefits with that. But it would be it would be leaving out a big piece of the puddle puzzle to only focus on the front end of the benefits. I look at the the benefit of having a conversation like this and the relationship benefits of a podcast as being equal to, if not even greater than for some people, uh, the power, like the level of power that comes from that. I mean, having a podcast basically gives you a reason to reach out to anyone in your industry. And... Not just to say, Oh, let's, let's collaborate or let's do something, but actually with something to offer them, especially with leaders in your industry. People are always asking for something from them. When you invite someone on your show, you are offering to share your platform with them. And even if you have a small podcast, if it is targeted, if you have an audience of exactly who they want to be getting in front of, they will. Oftentimes be interested and excited to come and talk to them, to come talk to you. And also, your numbers aren't public. So there's a lot of leeway (laughs) with how, you know, I mean, obviously, if if you're brand new or if you have no reviews or whatever, but if, you know, if you have a a little bit of a following, no one knows exactly how many people are listening. And most of the time, people don't care. And I think that's because even if there are 50 people listening or 500 people listening or 5,000 people listening or 50,000 people listening, that power of being able to, have someone's time and attention, right? So they're listening to you talk for that time. But also the power of being introduced through the host mm-hmm. and that like immediate authority that it gives of okay, this person who I listen to and and trust. They it, they're introducing me to this person and saying that they're an expert and saying these great things about them that this is no longer a cold relationship right? So I'm talking about it through the lens of the guest, but just to reassure someone that okay, you don't have to have the biggest podcast in the world to be able to leverage your podcast as this door opener because of the benefits of being able to be on a podcast. So I look at it as the ultimate relationship builder, nurturer. It gives. I mean, how great we we met at an event that could have been the end of it, but it's like, oh no, let's I'll have you on my show, and you're launching a podcast. Great, I'll come on your show, and this gives us the ability to connect again. Right, those few minutes before or after where we're able to talk to a from just the actual interview and it takes something that could have just been like a ooh, like just a blip of a of a meeting and now it's like oh i feel like i really know you right like we've, yeah. we've been able to build a relationship through it and so whether it's reaching out to someone who you don't know at all or reaching out to someone who you've met at a virtual event or an in-person event um or you've been in a you know, a group cohort with in a course or a program, you're able to really deepen the bond and relationship. I think through having them on your show, offering your platform, but also just that time spent together. That a lot of times we just don't have um, in other ways, right? Like when else are you just like hopping on Zoom for an hour just to chat yes. with people, right? So, a hundred percent. There's so much power to this. Yeah. And it's
0: I, I so agree. Like I don't think having a podcast has necessarily like grown my audience by insane numbers, but the like the quality of my relationship with my audience is so much deeper after just a few months. But I do mm-hmm. think, and I'm curious if you agree with this, getting on other people's podcasts has definitely grown my audience, but you're, it's again, it's not like it's like thousands of people in a day, but the number of people that come in are so warm and so ready to Work with me that it's like just a much higher quality audience that since really Absolutely. focusing on pitching and being on other podcasts.
1: Yes. 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 One, I would say, whenever you're looking to, if, if you're looking to grow your Instagram account, you don't start a blog, right? <laughs> 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 so if you, and like, if so, the fastest way to grow a platform is on the platform if you want to grow yeah. your TikTok don't go posting Instagram stories right like <laughs> go on TikTok and so on yes you can post on Instagram about your podcast but getting someone off of that po- po- getting someone off of that Instagram platform when they're just in scroll mode to go listen to a podcast especially one that they're not familiar with is a really big ask mm-hmm. however if they hear you on another podcast or they hear another podcast Talking, promoting your podcast, right? You're much more likely to get that person because they're already a podcast listener. They're already on that platform. They either have someone refer you. And so that kind of sparks their interest more. Or, they, or they've heard a whole long conversation with you and they feel that connection with you. And absolutely, this isn't the same... The quality of leads that come from... And this is where podcast advertising, I think, has really taken off too because the quality yeah. of leads that are coming from the podcast platform are so much higher. I'm like, you can't compare Facebook ads to, or even just doing a video on Facebook to a podcast interview or a podcast ad because the amount of time that they're spending with you, that relationship, all of those things makes it a a far warmer lead than just like, oh, I saw three seconds of you, right? If someone heard a whole interview, they feel like they know you, right? Or if they see a random ad from someone or then they hear a podcast host Say go listen to this podcast. The weight that that carries is so much, yeah, Mm. so much more powerful.
0: Yeah. Now I might ask a really stupid question right now.
1: (laughs) Go for it. No (laughs) stupid questions. You
0: you have mentioned having a podcast, being on a podcast, and sponsorships. And in my brain, I just hear sponsorships, and I automatically think like, like HelloFresh, right? Like sponsoring a podcast. Like, is this something that like smaller businesses like or even just like someone like me with a membership like could i sponsor a podcast like is that is that something that people do
1: so listen my clients for this agency are all in the online marketing industry wow. and most of them have podcasts and so that's been really interesting because when i started this agency i was thinking okay how do i get in front of these bigger brands and When I actually, I went to a a CEO retreat with a handful of girlfriends over the summer and they were like, no, like Facebook ads have changed. Course creators, agency owners, people like us that have relied on Facebook ads that have spent sometimes six figures on facebook ads in a year right are reevaluating that strategy because they're not working the way that they used to so we're mm-hmm. looking for other ways to get in front of targeted audiences and so this has been really exciting because well and this is also where i give i think before we started recording i described our agency to a real estate company and and i used to actually work in commercial real estate so i guess my brain <laughs> just thinks i helped my dad start his real estate business back in 2004 but oh, I'm like, we're like a real estate company where we can we can sell your house and we can help you find another. And <laughs> when you think about it, it's like you're representing a, a seller and then you're representing a buyer, right? And in our agency, we do that. We represent both mm-hmm. the sponsors as well as the podcasters. Because a lot of times they're the same person, <laughs> and so it's like, <laughs> oh, I. Have... <laughs> so it's it's very natural, and that, oh, like we have one client where we started. She was a podcaster. We brought her a sponsor. Then she was like, oh, like you know, we started talking about her doing sponsorships. So then we're working with her in that capacity. So we're working on both sides of it, and there may be other opportunities there as well. And so we and that's where the relationships come into right of like okay yeah. we're building relationships with these podcasters. So to answer your question, yes. Mm-hmm. Businesses, I mean I again I would say in order for to work with our agency and I would I say this as this is what I would recommend to anyone. This is my, you know, don't this is if you don't have a proven offer, if you don't have a proven funnel like this let's not experiment with that, right? Mm-hmm. Get that get that down first because you you want there to be limited variables. So, and this is the same for for any type of advertising, right? It's going to amplify. So if you don't, if you're not confident that something is converting organically, then how do we know, right? When when you go to put paid traffic behind it, is it is it the offer? Is it the positioning? Is it the copy? Is it the... like? There's so many variables. So we want there to be as few variables as possible. But yes, what we do is we're working with course creators, agency owners, and podcasters. And sometimes we're doing... Ads just for a podcast. Um, I will say I don't like sending traffic directly to a podcast if we're doing paid ads because there's no way to track it. So we'll Mm -hmm. usually have a landing page, even if the ad is for the podcast itself. Um, But we know that there's going to be always people that are just going to go listen to the podcast and not go to that landing page. But we do all different types of ads. So usually, so always host right in some capacity because I want to tap into that relationship between the host and the audience. I don't recommend doing commercial ads for a a host or for a sponsor. Because as a podcaster, it's such a pattern interrupt for your audience to just play a commercial. You usually don't have as much control over the content. And it's just... I don't know. I... I just haven't gotten on board with that piece of it. Also, you're gonna get paid very little. And like if you have a valuable platform here, so let's, you know, let's maximize that. And that's where I really get excited about multi-platform. That's how I've had success as a podcaster and working with brands, either for paid sponsorships or affiliate sponsorships, Mm -hmm. but able to make more money by saying, okay, like even from the beginning when we had 500, you know, less than 500 downloads an episode to say, okay, but we have those, those targeted, you know, 489 listeners. And, and we have a Facebook group with 800 people and we have, you know, my host and I both had like a thousand people on our email list or something, but this is like four months after launching our first podcast and in 2016 to be able to say, okay, let's add this all up together. And, and we have Instagram and and this, but like none of our numbers. were huge, but Mm -hmm. combined that multi touch, multi platform impact, we were able to charge more and able to get the sponsor better results. And so that's like, that was the beginning of it. It was, I've seen that now over time as a podcaster of how well that's worked. And that's really how we structure things too. So yes, absolutely. If you are, a podcaster, or if you're not a podcaster, you can be you do not have to be hello fresh or Squarespace or MailChimp <laughs> to be a podcast sponsor anymore. Um, absolutely you can you can dive in. But again, I would just say to want to get more creative with how you structure things and not just place a commercial on people's podcasts, because yeah. I wouldn't expect that to convert very high.
0: Yeah. Oh, good, really good advice. Before we get to our game, because I have another one more question. I know that a lot of people listening are probably like, oh my gosh. I love this. I probably want to hire Jacqueline. But let's just say they're like, oh, I can't hire Jacqueline right now. I have to start by myself and then hire Jacqueline later. Is there a way that people can get started building these relationships with podcast hosts so that they might want to pitch to to either have them on their podcast or be on theirs? Like, is there like a beginning process to kind of nurture that relationship? Or do you just recommend like make a dream list, believe in your value, and make a
1: pitch? So to be a podcast guest... Yeah, let's start there. Let's start there. So to be a podcast guest, yes, start with... So I'll give some advice and I'll also make a plug, but it's a very inexpensive plug. So (laughs) I feel like it's okay. So... My, I do have a. I sell templates. It's twenty seven dollars. It's the podcast guest plug and pitch system, and I wrote from the perspective of a podcast host. Like this is how you pitch me. Like this is, like this is what works. I get, I get like ten pitches a day for the podcast. Like this is how you actually pitch. And so we we put that together in different brand voices and all of that. And I include in there a strategy for how to pitch. I also include a bonus, which is what I really like to. It's the thing I'd really like to sell, but nobody would buy it on its own. But it's always the thing that I get like responses on, which is the invisible pitch method, which is, surprise, all about relationships. Uh, so you get that in there too. But the advice I give in this strategy, and I, I make a joke about it a little bit because it's it's always, it's what is the easiest, but it feels the hardest, is start with who you know, right? Yeah. Who do you know who has a podcast, <laughs> like, why not ask them if you could be on their podcast or pitch them, right? Then think about who do you know who has been on a podcast? I yeah. know you have friends, contacts in this industry who have been guests. Maybe they can introduce you to the host of that show if it's a fit, right? So start there. You are never – people sometimes think, oh, I have to be this level of successor, this where in my business. When I did my first ever – Podcast interview. I didn't have a business. I had made no money. I didn't even have an offer. So it's not even like, oh, I didn't sell my offer. I didn't even have an offer. <laughs> um, I didn't have a website. <laughs> Literally all I had was an Instagram account that I had only had for five weeks. This wow. is this is this was the first week of August of 2015 that I did my first podcast interview. And so this is how it came about. One, it was a relationship. I was in a, a membership and and someone else in the membership had started a podcast and she had saw what I was doing and invited me to be a guest. Now, she invited me to be a guest on her show as an Instagram expert. I had only had my Instagram account oh my for five weeks. I was not marketing myself as an Instagram expert. Wow. And I only had a thousand followers. Now The story was though that I was able to grow that account from zero to a thousand in a month. Yeah. And so it's not the, this person has the most followers. It's like, okay, you did that in a month. Yes. How? Right? That's compelling with you, you have none of these other things. Like what did you do? Right. Yeah. And so you just need a good story. You don't need Mm -hmm. to have any of those other things. You just have to have a good story to tell, whether it's from your own experience or client experience, but really like, yeah, take the time to to think about, okay, what could I share? And then who do you know that knows someone and, and get started there.
0: That is brilliant. Advice and something that like I try to communicate as often as possible because this is where I, I see a lot of people holding themselves back. They like feel like they have to know all the things before they can pitch to be an expert on something or just to pitch to be on a podcast, right? And I'm like, no, you're deciding your story, a story that you feel like you can stand behind and that is all true, etc. And you're pitching mm-hmm. the story. <laughs> like Like you don't need to claim to be the expert to know all the things about the thing that you're talking about, right? You're talking about, you know, about this thing and that right there, I feel like if people truly embrace that, you could get, we all know something. We all have a story about something. If you truly just like could understand that that's what you're pitching, you could be pitching as soon as you finish with this podcast, (laughs) Like you could get going. I love that. And also starting with who, you know, love, 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 love. Okay. That was freaking awesome. I absolutely want to do our fire round, right? Because I just want, as we're getting started with 2023, I'm starting to give people like a goodie bag of things to try this year. So our lightning round is really about that, right? Your favorite things that you've tried and and what you would recommend to people. So with that in mind, are you ready to, to do some fire? <laughs> Hey, so glad you're loving this episode. I want to interrupt for five quick seconds to tell you about 12 strategies to help you find and convert your next client on social media. I'm going to bet what's really happening on your social and why you're not seeing a lot of results is because you're spending all of your time creating content and not any of your time building relationships, but I get it. You need some structure or specific action steps. So you know how to build relationships. If you just do two of these on a consistent basis, you'll start seeing results. The trick is to actually use them. Just head to getcoachsocial.com forward slash clients to snag your copy. That's getcoachsocial.com forward slash clients. Okay, let's get back to the show.
1: I'm ready. I'm ready. And I'm going to try really hard to be concise, which is not my strong suit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do, like, seriously, if you want to elaborate on something, feel free. <laughs> this okay, is unfiltered okay. after all. <laughs> okay. What is your fave way to grow your email list?
1: Well, this will come as no surprise, but collaborations. <laughs> I will say any type of collaboration or partnership, being part of a summit, a bundle, uh, just, you know, doing email swaps, but any type of collaboration with other people has always worked the best for me.
0: 1,000%. We talked about that a lot. I couldn't agree more. Um, what's your favorite way to connect with your audience? I'm going to bet I know the answer to this one. <laughs> Definitely the
1: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh yes, I've tried other things but like the podcast is the one thing I've been consistent with all this time. Yeah. Enough
0: said because like I I that's my experience too. Like ever since starting a podcast, I get way more DMs. I get way more questions. Like questions about what I'm doing, not like what breed of dog do you have? Do you know what I mean? Like like actually the type of questions I want to answer. I couldn't agree more. Um, what's something new that you've tried in your business in 2022 that you'll be taking into 2023 with you?
1: So I'm like, everything's new, but but it's also not <laughs> right. Like it's I'm like my whole business is new. So we're definitely going to take this new business model into 2022. Oh, uh, you know, one thing that I plan on doing this year that is very meta, but you know, I'm excited about. was seeing the success that our clients are having doing podcast ads. I'm like, we should do podcast ads, right? Like we've we've yeah. been able to grow organically thus far. We still don't like, we have a website up live. Hopefully by the time this goes live, we will. But even if we don't, it's okay. But that is something definitely on my radar this year that we could be growing our agency through doing podcast ads ourselves.
0: Yeah. You've actually inspired me to think about that too. Like as we're talking, I'm like, why don't I do that? Like why am I thinking about that? Or and, and even just like you know, ads on my podcast, but also just thinking about how to get in front of other audiences outside of being a guest, like sponsorship and all those things. Like, there's i just hadn't thought about it that way before. So I might get more creative about how I'm getting in front of these people. Thanks to you. So thank you for that.
1: Yes, you're <laughs> welcome.
0: If you were to start all over again, who would be your first hire and why?
1: So. My first hire was a virtual assistant, and I will say I hired earlier than most people probably would suggest that you hire because I really needed the help. I was I was pregnant. I I had a hormonal. toddler. I'm hormonal. I was like I was throwing up every day, and. And I have ADHD. I didn't know then that I had ADHD, but mm-hmm. I, so I really struggled with a lot of the details of my business, and so I really needed help with that stuff. I will say though, and this is this is a true story. I when I first hired s- someone, I hired her for like tw- I did like a twenty hour package, and I think after two months, she'd only worked like two hours, and that was all on me. Like I just like I hired her, but I like didn't know how to oh, like give her stuff to do. And, and so, and like, that was a big struggle. It's like, well, like, how do I like explain this or how do I, like, I didn't know how to get stuff off my plate. Yeah. And so I will say what I really probably needed then was more of an OBM, that someone that could understand, like have a level of understanding of how to take things off my plate or the questions to ask to be able to manage up a little bit more and, and help me through that first process of figuring that out because that was really challenging if you're really good at being like you need to do exactly this and here's the process and da da da, da. like great but I wasn't and so hiring someone that needed me to explain things at that level made it yeah. feel impossible to actually delegate. Yeah,
0: you know, I learned this the hard way too. You know what's like bananas? I well, I don't know if this is bananas, but I think it's bananas. I actually, so I told you a little bit at the beginning of this episode that we had like a big scare with our assistant this year. She, we, you know, she ended up having to leave because of health concerns. And I was kind of caught in this place where P.S. I had built some kind of Frankenstein role that made no sense whatsoever. I was giving her all kinds of tasks that like probably shouldn't have all been given to the same person. And it's really just because like she was there at the beginning and she kind of grew with us. And she, it was just not, an ideal hiring situation, but I wasn't aware of that because she was always around. So I didn't, I wasn't forced to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. She left. I was forced to look at it. And because she was so freaking awesome at what she did, she was a VA, great VA, but a VA. And I didn't realize I actually needed an OBM. I had never hired an OBM before, even though, that is really what I needed. So when she left, I had to look at a lot of the stuff, be terrified at what I had created, and hire an OBM. And you're so right. I have I'm learning this now. The a VA is waiting for you to tell them what to do, right? Like like, and an OBM is looking at what you need to tell them what to do and saying, "This is what I should be doing." And I was like. So mind blown on the first day that the OBM was there, and she, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so stressed! How, how am I going to come up this to do list?" And she's like, "I've made my to do list." I'm like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fascinating, like just these little yeah. things that we don't really know, we don't realize, can make such a big difference on how you operate. So Damn. I love this question because I think people often assume that their first hire should be something like a social media manager, and there might be someone out there who should hire a social media manager, but so often, like. You know, I even as a social media expert, I didn't get clients off of social media. I was getting clients off through relationships. So really, I didn't need a social media manager first. I needed someone to kind of help me like manage all of that and make sure I was doing that work because that was what was getting clients quickly. So anyways, that's why I asked that question because I'm like, people don't always know what they don't know. It's and so, so I such a good I question. so agree with you. Yeah. And then my last question before we ask our questions from the audience is I already asked you if there was something new that you tried in your business in 2022 that you're taking into 2023. Is there something that you tried that was like a flop or that you're like, "Uh, oh, that didn't work. That's not coming with me. It doesn't have to be 2022 necessarily, but.
1: So. Oh, there's been a lot of things that I tried that were flopped. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, for me, I've had a lot of success with live launching over the mm-hmm. years, but it just burns me out so much. So, even though it works, we're, and with with having the business model that we have, that's not something that's on my radar to do at all. Um, with the agency, we started off doing cold email, and and I actually got some hits from it, but it was going very slow. And, and it was funny because I started this whole business because I'm like, oh, relationships. And then I think I was, I think I was afraid to actually reach out to people that I know. That's why I'm like, it's the easiest thing, but it's the hardest thing. Right. And so I was like, oh, we're just going to do cold email. And then it was like, oh yeah, like I, I don't need to do cold. Like I need to reach out to people. Like it's, it might be uncomfortable. Right. But people want to help or people like I could help people. Right. And so Mm -hmm. when I switched that mentality, things went a lot faster. I am not against cold email, but that's not part of our strategy for this year. Mm.
0: Oh, I like that. Okay. That's that's great. Okay. Our questions. The first one is from Courtney. And I haven't actually read all of these questions. My <laughs> OBM just dropped them in here. So we'll <laughs> both be surprised here. I'm here for it. Uh, Cor- Courtney says, I've had a business for almost 10 years, but I still just have 2,500 people on my list. I have only been online for about half of the time I've had my business, but I just feel like I should have more. My conversion rate is 10% during launch webinars. And I truly think I'm great at what I do. Not to mention I have pages and pages of testimonials. Woo, go Courtney. I just can't seem to grow my list. And I know I need to, if I want to start making more money, when it comes to being considered an authority, How important would you say your list is and what should I be doing to see rapid list growth? You kind of just talked about this with collaborations, but I'll let you know if I'll leave it up to you if there's anything you wanted to
1: add to that. (laughs) Yes. So, okay. When it comes to, I feel like there's like a a secondary question in there about the authority. So in terms of being an authority, I don't think your list size matters at all. Um, I don't like in terms of you being viewed as authority, being an authority, being able to convert as being positioned in an authority, being asked to speak at events or the media, like your email size does not matter for any of those things, which is interesting. That said, if you have a business model that requires you to have like right now, it sounds like she's got a great conversion rate. And so if your Mm -hmm. business model is like, okay, I know I can launch and convert at this rate, but I need more people in order to grow. So if if you know that your business model is right and and that feels in alignment and this is the path that you want to grow on, right? It's like, okay, so we just need to add more people to the email list and kind of plug them into that funnel that's already working. So for that, I would say I'm always a fan of the collaborations. Now, depending on your personality type, depending on, right, like the – and that's where there are some people where it's like, okay, you need to go post three videos a week on YouTube and grow a YouTube channel and you are just going to love cranking out content and editing those videos or you can hire someone to edit them. And if you're posting three times a week and you're following the right strategies, like you will grow your audience and you – put the right links on there and everything and funnel those people into your list. Mm -hmm. That's a strategy, right? For me, I would cry every day. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so hard, right? Oh, for for Jessica, my former co-host, she is amazing at that. And now, and she started at zero and now she has, I think, over 200,000 subscribers on there, right? So there's different strategies for everyone. So I would think of, okay, who, who do you know if you're more like me of, okay, who could you collaborate with and either do a list swap with or, you know, do put a bundle together? What, what things could yeah. you be a part of? And the key with those is just being really specific because if you have a really generic offer or something that doesn't lead to where you want it to lead, you'll build your list. But it's not going to be a valuable. And I think just the general reframe of, it doesn't really matter how many people are on your list. It's about, are they the right people and are they engaged? I know so many people with seven figure businesses that have under 5,000 people on their email list. And so now you need to have a high ticket offer to do that, right? If you're trying to, to be a low ticket offer, yeah, you're gonna need a lot of people. Uh, but you don't necessarily need a lot of people if you have an offer that doesn't require a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Great answer.
0: I love this next question from Gemma. How does building authority lead to sales? I feel like I am on podcasts a lot, and I do think I've grown my audience, but I feel like I'm not making more money. Is there something I'm missing in terms of making that connection from, oh, she's a great person to know about, to, oh, I need to work with her?
1: I love that specificity. Mm. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing with being an authority. When someone goes to hire someone, let's. I'll, I brought up real estate before. We'll use real estate as an example, right? Right. If someone is a real estate agent and they know people that they're friends with that know that they're a real estate agent, but then those people go to buy a house and don't come to that person, right? That happens. I'm sure someone who's been in the opposite situation, like you don't always hire the person that you know, right? The relationship, being aware of your existence and what you do does not necessarily convert to you being Mm The person that they're going to hire. Now, on the opposite side of that, when someone is going to hire a real estate agent, I don't even know. I probably should have been like prepared with like a well-known real estate person. <laughs> but like, if you're going to go buy, if you're going to go buy or buy a house, you're not going to call up the most, the biggest authority on the topic. And the right, you're not going to say like, oh, yeah. I'm going to call up the love it or list it people, right? Like, you're yes. not going to call. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? You may not even go after yeah. that person that's the most well-known in your area. And so it's not about being the most expert-y expert expert mm. and it's not about having the best relationship. It's when we combine those two together. So authority yeah. plus relationship equals top of mind. And so if you're going on podcasts... Especially if you're going on podcasts and that's not converting, that tells me a couple of things. One, are they the right podcasts? Because maybe they're not. So are the people that you're talking to the right people? The other thing it tells me is or I would look at is okay, well, what are you talking about? How, how are you presenting your expertise and putting it in the context that the person listening feels a connection with you it feels a connection with what you're talking about and knows how to take the next step with you so maybe they really like you but they don't see how it would work for them or maybe they really like you and they're just keeping an eye on you but they don't really understand what they what you do right and a lot of times it's that clarity piece or they don't think it's for them and so yeah. going that step further to be like okay is it am i talking to the wrong people or do I need to be more clear about what it is that I do? Because the authority piece, the way I look at it, especially in this day and age, in order to have that clarity and relationship, the other p- the piece that's kind of tied up in the authority is the trust. And that's not just the trust of, oh, you're credentialed or you've helped other people. It's the trust of, can you help me? Mm -hmm. And the more specific you are, um, an example I like to give for this is my cousin is a hairstylist. She does my hair. And so we're, and we talk a lot about her business, my business while we're doing hair and just in general. And one time she brought up Instagram and I was like, oh, I know these, you know, a few different people, courses or, you know, consultants that could help you. And I'm like, let me know if you want any referrals or whatever. And then the next time I go in, I was like, oh, you know, did you end up wanting to reach out to anyone about Instagram? She's like, oh, I bought a course. And so at first I was like a little bit like, oh, you didn't like want to know who my people were for (laughs) Instagram, right? (laughs) Like, oh, my rim. people weren't going to be good enough, right? And so which we, we're close, so we can joke like that. And she was like, well, I bought a course that was Instagram for hairstylists. And because of the specificity, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I know this person is, oh, they're really good at what they do. They've helped other people like me. This is specifically yes. designed for that. And I think the more saturated the, the industry becomes, the more you can give that trust by really being specific and not just what you do, but who you do it for Mm -hmm. that they know, okay, like you can actually help me.
0: Yep. Mm. Mike freaking drop. Could not agree more. Love it so much. Best way to end this episode. Thank you so much for sharing your immense wisdom. Honestly, that was so, so helpful.
1: Where the this heck? This is so we learn fun! Good. <laughs> yes. Well, of course you can come listen to the Go To Gal podcast. Oh uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, and if you go to well, let's see. So, if you want the pitch templates, you can go to plug Just the letter n. plugnpitch.com for those. And otherwise, if you go to JacquelineMalone.com dot forward slash podcasting, um, that's where if you are a podcast that want sponsors, or if you want to be a sponsor, you can, you can get more information there.
0: Love it. And honestly, like I, your podcast really is like one of my favorites. Like I love, love, love your podcast. So truly like if you want to check out another podcast, like it's a great show. So definitely check her out. And thank you. Honestly, you're just so generous with what you know. And I really feel so grateful to know you. And, um, oh, you know, we I'm met so in grateful we connected too. yes. Yeah, <laughs> so. I know. it's I can't believe it's only been like a few months really. Cause we met like right. in July, like, a, like six months ago ish. Right. Um, but That's I'm true. so grateful to, to have met you and I cannot wait to just be more connected with you in 2022. So thank you so much for being here and Same speaking to you. my people. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Give yourself a pat on the back because you made it to the end, which means you gave yourself and your business some time today. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know your support is what makes it possible for us to keep making it. So it would make my day if you gave us a five-star rating and review. I also want to make sure this podcast actually answers your marketing questions like for real, for real. So if you're a coach and you've got a marketing question that's keeping you stuck, just DM it to me over at Sophia Para on Instagram, or if you're in the United States, you can text it to my personal number at 917-810-2418. That way I can share resources or create a future episode just for you. See you on the next one.